So today I want to talk about um, being in Christ. And, and I am being thoughtful of the younger people in the room, which is why there is some cool artwork of some um, superheroes types type up on there. But this is where I don't want to lose you, because I think when you're younger, people can start talking about Bible stuff, and you can just tune out. Okay, and so I'm gunning for you, and don't tune out. If I see you beginning giving me a tune out face, I will use your name, and it will go on the internet. So you don't want to do that. Okay, give me your very best paying attention face, and uh, you'll be safe. But um, maybe a little bit of adrenaline is a good thing in your sermons. The other thing is this: if you grab one of those boxes and you've got a little paper in it that you can color with, I want to challenge you, uh, invite you to draw a picture of yourself in spiritual warfare, wearing the armor of Christ, and uh, and winning, right? And winning. Because I want to talk about spiritual warfare today, and I want to talk about winning the identity battle of spiritual warfare by believing that you're in Christ, which is not something that most Christians in the West actually spend time doing, fighting to believe that we are in Christ, and everything that the Bible says about us is actual truth. There is such a thing as a spiritual world, reality check. There is such a thing as a spiritual world. There's a physical world, which is like what you can touch, taste, see, feel, what you can look through, look at in the microscope, look at in the telescope. There's a physical world, and we're in it, and we're part of it. We have bodies, everybody touch the chair you're sitting on. Okay, that's part of the physical world. And so it doesn't take much convincing for people that there is such a thing as a physical world, though there have been a philosophy that was kind of popular within the last hundred years that we don't actually know if there's a physical world, because you can't actually prove that it's not just you dreaming, and this could all be just something you made up, and you're even in the matrix, and it's inception, and you don't know what to do, so why don't you just jump out a window? Like, people were actually arguing for the possibility that this was, there is no real world, it's just all an illusion in university, and I'm sure it didn't go anywhere well. I mean, eventually we just get hijacked for selfishness like most things do. There is also kind of like a mental world, or an intellectual world, which is the, the stuff that exists that you can't really put on a petri dish. Like, um, go to the store and buy, maybe five pounds of love, please. And some of you will come back with bacon, and I'll say, so close, so close. But we all want love, and we all try to give love, but you can't, you can't wait out by the pound. If, you know what I mean? Um, neither can you do justice and stuff like that. These are things that are, we know are real, but they, they don't have molecules. They're kind of actions. And um, commitments and worldviews, these are called all things that exist in the mental world. And my favorite example, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, I promise, is um, the mental world and the worldviews that show up during the hockey game. So I had this terrible, terrible affliction earlier this year. It, it took over my life. I didn't know if I was going to survive. It was called Jets Fever. And because they were in the playoffs, I was like rooting for them. But there were also other people rooting for other teams. And so whenever a, a, a goal was scored, uh, this is the thing that always gets me. Like half of the people who are watching the game just are so excited. This is the best thing ever. And the other half are just like, this is so terrible. Oh no. The exact same physical event Half the people are happy, half the people are sad. Why? Because there's this thing, it's a mental world. And some people look at it and they think, this is terrible because that's my team. And other people think, this is the best because that's my team. And you're, this invisible thing that you could call commitment exists. 
and really governs how people react in the physical world, but how you can't buy it in the store and you can't look at it in a microscope, you can't weigh it. It, it, just, it exists, but it's not exactly molecules. And there is also a spiritual world that Scripture tells us um, exists. It can't be seen, it can't be felt, it can't be in its nature. Like the spiritual world can make itself be known in a sense, but um, spirits are kind of, uh, by definition, invisible and don't have molecules as well, but not just the same thing as an idea. They're actually um, thinking beings. And the first spirit is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have existed forever. So spirit came first, not the physical world. Spirit came first, and spirit created the physical world. And God has also revealed that he has created other spirits. Some of them are faithful ministering spirits that are we call angels, which is just the Greek word for messengers. So God's messengers we call angels. And they exist, and they do his bidding, and if there's any in the room today, we welcome you to glorify Jesus, which why you do. But God has also revealed that there are rebellious spirits, which are sometimes called unclean spirits, and sometimes called demons, and sometimes just referred to as powers and authorities and principalities and rulers. And these spirits are not sub- subject to God, but are in rebellion to God. And, and the origins of this is all kind of mysterious, and God has revealed some things, but not nearly as much as we want to know, but that's fine, because God doesn't have to tell us everything, and here's an opportunity for you to just humble yourself, and remember that God is God, and you are not. He can tell you whatever he wants, and he cannot tell you whatever he wants, and you kind of have to deal with it until you see him face to face, and I hope you do see him face to face, in the good way. But being humble before you see him is a great way to make sure that that reading is a good one. And if there are any of these unsubmissive spirits to the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning, I just tell you by the authority of Jesus Christ, you need to be quiet, and you need to be submitted, and you need to not interfere with what God is doing here today. Now because we live in a world, as Christians, and just as people... Where there are such things as rebellious spirits, we need to know that these spirits, who are headed by a spirit that is called Satan sometimes and called the devil sometimes, um, they, they hate us. Okay? They're in rebellion against God, and because we're made in God's image, there's this, this is the situation. They cannot directly hurt God, because he's all-powerful and all-holy, and they cannot harm him. And so in an attempt to hurt him, they have instead attacked his creation and namely us. And their greatest joy is to take creatures who are made in the image of God and we're supposed to love and obey and live with God forever and to seduce us and turn us against God so that we hate our creator while we love what the enemy says and does. That is their mission and their perverted joy. And if you want to know just how bad a demon is or Satan is, take Hitler and take Stalin, take the worst pedophiles and the worst serial rapists, and realize that if you add them all together, they are not even as bad as Satan. Do you want to listen to Satan? He is worse than the worst activities of human beings. Because usually he's the source of it. And we participate in this plan. The Holocaust was his plan and his activity. The great leap forward was his plan and his activity. And so this is not the kind of thing that you can just safely go through life, even Christian life, ignoring. 
wouldn't you want to know if there were something outside of your house or inside your house that really wanted to kill you? And was sending you messages on your Facebook and email pretending to be your friend. But wasn't. Wouldn't you want to know? Just to say it again, the main delight of the forces of darkness that the Bible talks about is to win the trust of human beings to make us turn against, rebel against, and hate God. And you can see that in the Garden of Eden. That's what the snake did right off the bat. Did he bite Eve? No. Did he try to encircle her and crush her? No. He wanted to deny the word of God, win her trust, make her believe that God was evil, and get her to rebel, to try to ruin God's world and ruin God's plans. And that is exactly the enemy's plan for you. To get you to believe lies so that you rebel against God. Or continue to. <coughs> what in the world does this have to do with Iron Man? So who is that, everybody? I'm talking to young people here. Who is that? Who is that? Iron Man! Now, kind of, but not really. Because... Um, that would be a copyright infringement, these pictures. But, um, so let's just call him like Copper Dude or Bronze Buddy or whatever. The purposes of this presentation, these are actually pieces of artwork that were done for some of the staff here. What is Iron Man's superpower? Okay, and I'm, and I'm calling on the nerds, alright, because the geeks shall inherit the earth. So I'm calling on the nerds here. Well, what's his superpower? Brilliant. Okay. I'm going to let that stand for now. Invincibility. Okay, what, what is actually, you know, the man behind the mask is Tony Stark. What's his superpower? He's smart. He's really smart. Okay, so he's... Now, he is, he is superhumanly smart because nobody's that smart. Um, but the reality is he is, doesn't have a superpower. Right? He's got money and some brains, but all of you have money and some brains. The thing that makes Iron Man Iron Man is he is inside something. He's a The thing that makes Iron Man Iron Man is that he is inside something. Right? Something that can make him plot. Something that can scan the radar, something that can shoot repulsor beams, whatever that is. You made that up, I know. Okay, something that can shoot repulsor beams out of your hands and out of your feet to make you fly and out of your chest when you want to look really cool. Press the base. Because comic books are invented for guys that didn't do radio, so they do it in the story. could do it in the and they would think if I could just be more like Iron Man, that's why they sold for so much for so long. And this is not autobiographical, and why are you guys even thinking that? <laughs> Anyhow, the thing that makes Iron Man Iron Man is that he is inside something that makes him more than he is, that makes it so that he can take a shot from a tank and fall down, but get back up and not just be a, a pulverized mess. 
He is inside something that allows him to enter into warfare and not only survive it, but to win. Except for the last Avengers, because the writers had to make it work like that for another movie to happen next time. I didn't spoil anything. Okay, just a warning. If you go to Crown Chapel and you don't see the movies right away, I'll spoil it. I just will. So just, just if you have to, see it, but otherwise, just roll. Okay. Iron Man is inside something that gives him superhuman powers to survive warfare and not only survive, but to win. That's the point. In Christ, by faith in him, you are inside someone who gives you supernatural power to not only survive spiritual warfare, but also to win. Okay, this is the point. You want to know what the point? This is what I'm trying to say. In Christ, you are given supernatural power to not only engage and survive spiritual warfare, but also to win and to stand in lava with a sword. I don't know why they haven't given Iron Man a sword yet. It would be so cool. And I'm so glad that whoever made these Christianized these by putting the sword of the spirit into the hand of the arm of God. Amen! See? 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 This is why we need to encourage visual arts. So let me take you to the scripture I want to work with here. Okay, we're, in, we're going to read Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. And Paul is talking to a church that is a lot like me and Christian today, where there are worldviews and religions and philosophies abounding, where you can take your pick of a dozen different ways of looking at the world to try to look at the world in a way that makes you feel good, makes you feel powerful, makes you whatever you want. There are options. And Paul is writing to this church to tell them, don't do anything that is going to take away from you the reality that you are in Christ. Don't do anything that is going to rob you from the spiritual power that comes from being inside Jesus. Because everybody's going to come and tell you, my philosophy is the best and you need it. My religion is the best and you need it. My worldview is the best, and you need it. They're all going to say that. So, 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 yeah. But don't do anything that causes you to get out of your armor while you're still in the battle. Right? That's a bad thing. So let's read together. I'm going to read it. We can go to the next slide. Wonderful. So you can read with me. This is what Paul says to them. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And I'm emphasizing all the in Him, or the things that emphasize Christ here. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, just as you were taught. Abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirit of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, the whole is fullness of deity dwells
dwells bodily. We'll get to that. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. I'm saying that he is not talking about uh, prime ministers there, but he's talking about spiritual rule and spiritual authority that actually stand behind earthly governments that are not in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is the head of all of them because he is raised from the dead. He not only made them, but through death triumphed over them by being raised from the dead. So you are filled I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of there because I want. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil your dinner. So no hors d'oeuvres on that one. Okay. In Him, the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised. Him from the dead. And you, who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing to the cross. He, now this is my power verse this morning, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Okay, so the armor you have been given by God is Jesus Christ, who has already triumphed over the spiritual forces of darkness through the cross by the authority and power of God. Okay, so you want to be inside this armor. You want to be inside the suit. You want to be inside the Lord Jesus Christ as you enter into spiritual warfare because he has already triumphed. Okay? Um, we're not going to watch the movie because I don't want to break my stride here, but the word triumph is a big deal for Paul. And forth the Colossians, because in the culture of Rome, and Rome is a city in Italy that had conquered the entire Mediterranean and conquered all of France and sometimes went into Germany and had even gone to England. And right now, you can go to England and you can see Hadrian's Wall. He was a Caesar that lived a few hundred years after this time. And he built a wall and crossed all of England because he didn't want to go any further north because it was just a bunch of crazy Scots. And as one person said, by building the wall, he left the Scots to fight their natural enemy, which is other Scots. And so he just let them fight each other, and he didn't come down, whatever, but, and I'm a Scot, so I can say that. And I'll get to that point in just a second here, but you want to be in this, okay? This is how do you start spiritual warfare, how do you win spiritual You've got to know that you're in Christ. And the battle for each one of us is a battle of identity to really believe who you are because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the beginning, the middle, and the end of all spiritual warfare. Will you continue to believe who you are in Jesus Christ, who is the creator of the world and raised from the dead, or will you be conquered and held captive by believing an empty deceit and a human philosophy based on what people say? That's the question. And Paul says to us, see to it that no one takes you captive. So whose job is it not to be taken captive? Ours and yours. Okay, so I'm going to say something really harsh here. Tons of young people graduate from church and go on to college and fall away from the faith. If that happens to you, who is God going to hold responsible? Not your parents, not me, because you have complaints about the church and no one was good enough for you or whatever. It's you. If you grew up under the gospel and you fall away, you're responsible. Because God says, make sure no one takes you captive. 
you're not alone, but grow up fast, because the devil wants to kill you. And just because Canada has not experienced war on this land in a hundred years does not mean we aren't in the battle right now. That's right. And I love you, and I'm for you, and your parents have my phone number. <laughs> but you need to take your life really seriously. Amen. And don't go to watch a movie with Iron Man in it and think that he's living the real deal. It's all fake. It's all just computers. That you can live in Christ doing supernatural things. If you'll believe. And if you're like in your teens, you're already old enough. Like, for goodness sakes, do you know how old Mary was when she gave birth to Jesus? She's like in her early teens, probably. Our culture prolongs adolescence until sometime in your early 30s, generally. When guys are been married a couple of years and they go, why did my life keep bugging me about playing video games? Because she has two kids. <laughs> no, but I mean it, church. Don't you want to produce people who graduate high school who are ready to take responsibility in the kingdom of God? Yes. Let's do it. And I'm also talking to the to the young people. Let's do it. This is, this is, I'm gonna crack a little bit here. I love to teach the Bible to people, and you know what? I'm not that bad at it by the grace of God. And I have learned a thing or two. And you know what? I chase people to teach them the Bible. I'm so tired. Because the answer is yes. Most people want it. And I'm particularly talking to young people. I will spend hours with you this summer if you want, making you wise in the scriptures. But you probably don't want it. And that's sad. That is a travesty when the devil wants to lie to you and kill you and own your brain until you hate God. And it's on you. Don't look around at other people. It's on you. Now, we live in a time of massive identity battle. Amen? Okay, I could go almost anywhere with this, but I just want to talk about one instance of this. I want to talk about identity politics, and I'm going to try to nutshell this really quick. Um... Identity politics, in a nutshell, is a way of looking at the world. So it's not just about politics, it's about everything. It's a way of looking at the world where you can take any single person, pretty much just by looking at them, you can tell whether or not they're an oppressor or a victim. And there's this kind of unspoken calculus where you can find out about someone's race, their age, their sex, their sexual orientation, and their how much money they have, and you can decide just how much victimhood a kind of person has. And there's this sliding scale of like privilege on this side and victimhood on this side. And if someone is like, you know, an older white male, it's been talked about, you know, older white males, they're all privileged. It doesn't matter which country they came from. If they're here from now, it doesn't matter if they fought a world war. It doesn't matter what happened. If they're white men, they have gray hair, they're just overflowing with privilege. And you can tell just by looking at them. And it's here on the other side, they're like an African woman who's bisexual or something like that. She's full of victimhood. And it doesn't matter if she's mean or nice. It doesn't matter if she's killed before or if she's Mother Teresa. It doesn't matter because you can tell just by looking at her that she's overflowing with victimhood. And, and the issue here with identity politics is that it is a world that revolves around lists of accusation. If you're a victim, 
then you get to list the accusations against people who are in privilege or oppressors, and that's how it works. And if you're an oppressor, for whatever reason, depending on how the calculus works, whatever you say, shut up, because you're an oppressor. Right? And this is, this is a worldview that's very popular. It started with Karl Marx back in the... Uh, long time ago, and he saw the world as principally rich people or working people, and the working people need to rise up against the rich people and destroy them and take their stuff, and it led to communist Russia and communist China and other things, which were the biggest death traps ever. It overflowed into something like feminism that sees the world as uh, men versus women, and the women are victims, and the men are the oppressors, and so um, that's just how the world is. And so nowadays, like, imagine this picture. You've got a picture of a guy, he's holding a baby, it's just been newborn, and he wants to go and chop it into pieces, and there's a woman chasing him saying, no, stop, don't do it. Who's the bad guy? The guy. Who's the victim? The woman. Now, if you back it up two weeks until the baby is inside the woman, and she is going somewhere to chop up the baby, and the guy's chasing after her saying, don't do it, she's still the victim. And he's still the bad guy. Because of identity politics. Because of the worldview that has nothing to do with Christ. And it's all based on accusation. Who gets to accuse who? Who gets to list the debts and transgressions of who? And it's all based on like pretty much just what you can just just you can take a photograph of somebody and you can figure out exactly. And so when you are listening to the news and someone says, check your point privilege, that is a worldview of identity politics. Okay? This person needs to check their privilege, meaning shut up because you look like someone who is impressive. And we're talking on behalf of the victims, and so we get to speak, you get to listen, you get to act, you get to agree with our demands. We're good people, you're better. And it has all to do with identity. Which tribe, which small group do you fit in? Are you an oppressor who has to spend the rest of your life trying to atone for your sins through actions and giving money? Or are you a victim, which means you have to spend the rest of your life accusing people for more rights, more privileges, more stuff? And it never ends. It never ends. This kind of worldview cements conflict, cements grievances, cements offense. It never ends. It never will end. It ends up with just war. So this is just one example of how this is an identity issue. And your question is, are you going to participate in something like this, or is your identity going to be 100% I am in Christ? And if it is going to be, then you don't get to live by accusation anymore. Why? Because of how the enemy is disarmed. Okay, I, I'm a firm believer when cultures descend into this kind of thing where an entire culture is just run by accusation, this is ultimately satanic. Because the Bible says this, God made us alive together with him, having forgiven our debts and our trespasses, and having canceled the record of debt, so there is a record of debt against each one of us that stood against us with his legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. How are the spiritual forces of darkness disarmed in this world? By having records of debt canceled on the cross. So as people, we are either going to live wanting to see records of debts destroyed for the name of Jesus, or we are going to empower and arm and participate with the enemy by wanting to lay hold of records of death so that we can accuse, control, and demand 
from other people. And this is the problem. When you think you can just walk around accusing other people, you forget that God has erected a debt against you. The greatest list of accusations that is going to cause you trouble in your life is the list that God has against you, my friend. Not what anybody's done to you. The biggest problem any person has is the record of sins that God could hold against us if he wants to. And the only way out is to have that list of offenses nailed to the cross through Jesus Christ. That's why he sent his son Jesus to come down to earth so that he could come as a living sacrifice. And God could heap on him, which he did, the wrath of God, the guilt of man, the record of debt, the list of trespasses, all of our sins put on on the cross through Christ and punished there. God does not forgive just by going, whatever. He forgives by saying, kill me, Jesus. Which is a big deal. We need to remind ourselves as Christians, God doesn't just say whatever when we sin. He says that sin killed in Jesus. That's why you're forgiven. But when you're living inside Christ, having all of your accusations destroyed on the cross, that's that's how you fight now. Do you want to live holding accusations against other people? The forces of darkness are empowered in your life. Do you want to live on offense? Do you want to live on judgment? Do you want to live on offense and judgment? That is putting a gun in devil's hands. That is stepping out of the armor of Christ and saying, I don't need it. Or, you can say, I'm going to roll with my identity as Jesus. I'm going to live with whatever the Bible says is true about me because I know Jesus is true about me. Period. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for. I'm not accused by God, and so I'm gonna live like that with other people. And you gotta watch out for this. This, this. You are already impacted by that living off of accusations culture. We all are. We all are. We all are. Because when the mobs and the Facebook mobs come out, what people don't do is they say. This is the list of my sins, and I also think that this person should stop doing this. When someone's doing mass uh, accusations, when Facebook mobs are coming up, and people aren't repenting of their own sins too or first, that's not a move of the kingdom of God. All right. You're in Christ. You're forgiven. You're clothed in His righteousness. You're Iron Man. If you believe. This is the crazy... Iron Man dies. How, how do you kill Iron Man? Iron Man, maybe you should step on your armor for a little bit. Just take a helmet off. You'll be fine. I don't have a gun. Like, you just... you got to stay in Him. By faith. And you live and you win. Alright, I've got lots more notes, but not any more time. So why don't we stand? Guys, we are going to be in a time of spiritual warfare like crazy, I think, especially because of what's going on. We're trying to grow and expand. Maybe your marriage has been under attack. 
Maybe your relationship with kids has been under attack. Maybe your relationship with leaders has been under attack. You can't stop thinking accusations, accusations. You can kind of tell when you're under spiritual attack because you can't stop thinking accusations, 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 accusations. And it's the enemy wanting to get you to participate with him as he attacks God. So why don't we renounce it? Why don't we just do it together? The band can start coming to warm up. I don't know how long this will take, but why don't I just lead us in a time of just getting our brains free of living like this, and uh, we'll, we'll pray for, for the truth of being in Christ to be empowered in our lives. So if you're, if you're up for that, why don't you just open your hands up? And God, just we corporately repent. Yeah. God, where we have participated with the enemy by, by living in unrighteous accusations, by deciding that my identity is righteous in myself, or my identity is victimhood, and somebody else's identity is evil. And so I have every right to accuse and live in accusation and, and offense. And God, would you forgive us where we participated with this? And would you empower us to get free? And God, by the power of the Holy Spirit with us, would you set our minds free to really believe? God, we really are filled with Him who is the fullness of God. Church, I just I don't want to skip by this. You need to know because the enemy will tell you every day there's something missing, there's something wrong, you're not good enough, you live in a culture of comparison, you're not as pretty as this person, you're not as strong as that person, how come you're not you don't have that many clips on your video? How come nobody wants to make you team captain? You're not as good, there's something missing, there's not you're not being compare, 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 compare. Look, the Bible says that if you're in Christ, everything it means to be God has filled you and you are full. And the question is, are you going to fight to believe that, or are you going to be taken captive by a human philosophy? 